Eat, drink, smoke, where we eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, smoke the fine cigars. The quarantines all across the nation have affected us because Blend Bar Cigar, where we usually record, they can't open. State of Indiana says businesses can't be open. You've got a majority of states where businesses can't be open. I'm actually not sure if there are any states where businesses are open. Then you've got New York, you've got New Jersey, California that are involved in this was a stay at home order. I think they're calling it. You have to stay at home, which I can't begin to understand how is constitutional law, nor do I understand how anybody can enforce such a thing. But we've been forced to go to the garage. I can't believe I'm the guy. I am a cliche of cliches. I'm the guy in my garage smoking a cigar. Fingers Malloy joins me right here. Uh, should we start with the drink? Absolutely. I feel like this is part of Red Dawn. I feel like we should yell Wolverines at some point. Like, this is all secretive. Avenge me! <laughs> it's all secret. We're, we're broadcasting from a, a garage in suburban Indianapolis. It's like, <laughs> this is our speakeasy. For the love of God. Uh, in order to commemorate everybody being stuck in their house because of coronavirus, coronavirus, and we are not mocking coronavirus, by the way, uh, we went with the big house bourbon because we're all in the big house. I've had this bottle in my liquor cabinet, maybe a year. This bottle was purchased on sale at Kroger local supermarket for $8.99. It normally goes for the whopping price of $19.99. It is six years aged. Um, it will have a bit of rye bread, a bit of vanilla. Let me, uh, there, and we're, we're happy to be pouring this one directly on, on the cube. We've got spheres going this time, some pretty big spheres in the rocks glass. There, damn, well, I guess I'm having some. I just poured a whole lot. Uh, rye bread and vanilla on the, um, some baking spices on the nose. And then you'll get into some peppers. This is 90 proof, so 45% alcohol by volume. It's made by the Sazerac people. It's won awards, man. I, I, I picked it up because it's $8.99. I like the name. Uh, the Sazerac people, they, the rye. Did they, they make Fireball too? No, they don't make. Wait, they might make the fire. Did Sazerac Didn't make the Fireball? Did you say? Wasn't it, you said the Sazerac rye? Or hey, like, oh my gosh, if Sazerac been, makes Fireball. By the way, I survived the Fireball just fine. Um, nose is actually fine. I totally there. The, the vanilla, I can see. I don't know about baking spices. You getting any turmeric? No, no. I'm, I'm getting motor oil because <laughs> we're in the garage. Is is where we are. I'm, I'm surrounded by. Uh, uh, the outdoor furniture that we can't use because it's 30 degrees and a minivan because I'm that guy. And that actually does smell very good. We, we, did, we going? Absolutely. To your, to your health to right your there. Health. And to not having coronavirus. Like us. Oh, that's actually good. Wait, are you all right? You don't think so? I'm, I'm, li- listen. <laughs> that was not bad at all. Wait a second. So much of my reviews are based on price point. $9. <laughs> I've never had something this good at that price. I mean, granted, it was on sale. Okay, so you're okay with it. Oh, absolutely. I, I would drink this all oh, night. The look on your face, you're like, oh. I, well, I'm stunned. I thought this was going to taste like <laughs> No, no, no. Um, uh, dark fruit is definitely there. That plum kind of, kind of thing is really and truly there. Um, no real burn on the chest. Maybe a touch afterglow on, on on the esophagus. Definitely on the tongue. This is good. Is it vanilla. There's definitely oh, there's definitely vanilla. Yeah. vanilla. Vanilla on the nose. Maybe you're that's what you're getting going through. Um, I'm much more of the fruit, but there is a little bit of vanilla in the aftertaste of it. It is a touch sweet. Yeah, it's not not spicy. Sweet is what I'm is is where I'm at. This is lovely, man. 
This is eight dollars a bottle. My nine, well, nine eight ninety nine. Oh, eight. No, I'm sorry. Um, that's that's really good. Holy cow! What a surprise. That's actually very good. It's it's a rather uh, beautiful uh, uh, dark amber uh, color. That's hilarious. I bought it as a as a who knew as a what was possible, and all of a sudden, big house. You know, I will tell you, it's it's lingering in a touch of burn on the very top of the chest, um, back uh, and bottom of the esophagus. Hey. Are you sure that's the bourbon? I'm positive that's the bourbon. There is <laughs> yeah. no sign of coronavirus. Okay. You're not having a hard time breathing? I, are, you, are we at the point where you're allowed to make coronavirus jokes? Can <sighs> Look, you do that? I think you can make jokes about the paranoia. I, obviously, I it's probably in poor taste to uh, make fun of people dying. Yeah, getting clearly. sick. But the paranoia, I can't tell you how many times throughout this whole thing, back from when we were first notified about patient zero at CPAC. Right. Uh, I, zero. <laughs> I I will walk around, uh, not so much now, but back then, being a hypochondriac, thinking, oh, I just coughed. I just back coughed. then was two weeks ago. I know. It doesn't seem that, that was two weeks ago, and the world has changed in two weeks, and people are like, America's really changed. I'm not with that contingent that America has really changed. What I will say is that our reaction, I cannot tell you if we're doing the right thing. And I tend to lean towards, no, we're not. And what I'm talking about is not the social distancing. I get it. That actually makes sense. Because the whole purpose of that is to not overwhelm the hospitals. You talk to, to ER docs like I have. They're scared out of their mind. They, they think that they're just going to get overwhelmed. They think they're going to get pummeled with the amount of people that come in. And when you've got all the beds taken for people with coronavirus, they can't handle any other people who have a heart condition or something else. So they're, to that, they're concerned. Shutting down the businesses, I'm not, I'm not there. I, I think we've made a dreadful mistake. And when we take a look, I mean, I can give you the numbers based on what they're thinking about right now between when you hear the podcast and now those things can change. They're talking about a $2 trillion bailout. So here's how it went. The first one, there were three phases. The first phase was about the medicals, $8.3 billion. Trump said, give me 2.5. And uh, Democrats said, that's not enough. You need at least 8.3. And he said, okay, I'll take 8.3. And he took $8.3 billion. The second phase was the one that just got through. The House passed it big. The Senate passed it 90 votes to eight votes. Uh, and that one was the one that gave two weeks of paid family leave and an extended unemployment uh, benefits. And it said no cost for a coronavirus testing. The third phase is this one where they're taking a look at the people who are actually impacted. And you and I both know people who are actually impacted in that world of economics, people, uh, in, in, in the plant world, you know, GM, the big, th- uh, the big three auto workers, they're not going to be having people building cars. Subaru and Toyota, uh, at least here in, and Honda in Indiana have followed suit. And that's probably true of other places as well. Restaurants, hotel, hospitality. Those people have been really impacted. Well, the answer from the federal government has been more government programs and sending everybody a check. They're up to two trillion dollars. Trillion. How can anybody sit idly by when people are talking about two trillion dollars? Well, people are hurt. Okay. Two trillion dollars. Which it's time to ask ourselves what we're doing here and whether or not and we're into between that. And these these cities and these states literally shutting down, whether or not we're into full-on panic and panicking people for no reason. Social distancing is something that is necessary. Commerce, commerce distancing is something How that How did I not to- think of that as, as the terminology? Uh, 
That's what I'm here for. That's, that's what you're here for. That's absolutely right. <laughs> Commerce distancing is something that we need to have a discussion about. And whether we need to think about just hammering the narrative that seniors, you know what? You need to stay home. And we need to do everything to get the things that you need while you stay home. But everyone else... Uh, you, you need to live your lives, social distancing, the, that is the key to, to help this virus not spread further. But we're getting into silly season when it comes to this. I talked to a friend of mine today in Colorado, and I, I don't know what the governor of Colorado has announced when it comes to shutting things down, but I'm assuming it's very similar to what's going on in other parts of the country. Uh, she said that they had a police officer sitting outside of her beauty shop making sure people weren't going in and out. See, that's that's crazy. What, what Was it just that one lone place, or was it a strip center? I, I She didn't answer that question for me because I was just stunned that there would be a police officer sitting outside of yeah. her Beauty parlor. I think the kids call them beauty parlors. Uh, but so the salon. I yeah, thought it was. Well, she knows the person that runs it. Person came over to her house and, and did her hair for her because there are a lot of women. I, you've probably seen the the meme on social. <laughs> I've seen media. the women. I've seen the ladies. Yes. The, the meme on social media is saying we're going to find out in a few weeks what everyone's real hair color is. <laughs> See, people are at least funny. God bless them. Um, we got to keep a sense of humor in this, Tony. I, or if you don't, uh, you're going to drive yourself crazy. So it's not that I don't have a sense of humor. I, I think that these subjects matter. I think they're important. You know, it's I, I keep going back to, uh, and I'm giving it to Ben Franklin. If I'm wrong, someone correct me. Uh, those people who choose security over liberty will get neither and deserve none. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, and that's the truth. If you tell me I'm only secure, if I don't leave my house for two weeks, the answer is no, because I'm not so sure that government gets to do that. Now, there's some conversations about governors, whether or not they can close businesses, right, for public health. And there are some conversations about, yes, they certainly do have that right. You can't tell me I have to stay in my home. So this, we are talking about two different things here. And when people say, well, the government has to protect you. No, government can't protect me. You know how I know this? We have cases of coronavirus in the United States. Ergo, <laughs> government can't protect me. What, uh, what makes people think that they were really going to get protected from germs? I mean, really and truly, did, did, did any American, did, did any American actually think somehow, somewhere, some way, in some place, that the government will will prevent them from getting sick always. It sure seems that way. I saw a infectious disease specialist on uh, Rogan's podcast saying trying to stop this is like trying to stop the wind. Right, that's the correct answer. Oh, you, I, I, I am of the the ilk, and I know we're kind of bouncing around, but we'll make I'll make it all come back together. I am of the the, the group of people that says first and foremost, understand how China is to blame here. It's not that viruses don't happen. The flu happens. You're never going to stop it. Germs happen. You're not going to stop them. Breakouts happen. You're never going to stop. It's just not going to be stopped. When I say China is guilty, 
certainly there is something to some of the places of China and the cultures that they have that create issues, only because if you just take a look at history and modern history and recent history, the amount of viruses that come out of China, that is not China bashing. These are the facts as presented. And if someone wants to tell me that the facts are somehow bigoted or, or, or unacceptable, I'm sorry, I, I, I won't deal with you. You're unacceptable to this larger conversation. Um, in the case of coronavirus, it is undoubtedly fact that the Chinese, meaning the government, the communists, who are really talking about, we're talking about the people. Good Lord, there's a difference. It's like talking about Iran. We're never talking about the people. The people are Persians. They want to drink coffee and engage in trade. They don't want the mullahs. <laughs> Dear Lord, we're always talking about the mullahs. We're always talking about these horrible. Killing Soleimani is not an attack on the Iranian people. It was killing a terrorist and the right thing to do. So when we're talking about China, we're talking about uh, the, the, the communists. They knew they had a problem. This problem dates back to November and very possibly earlier. They would not allow medical teams in to help them, the people who can engage the epidemiology, tracking where this virus came from. They were denied the help of the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control. And by the time they started really reporting, this virus may have been around for two months or more. And since there were no travel restrictions, the spread is there because we live in this global society and the spread happened. Uh, so for that, we have to accept the fact that they're guilty. And let me give another part. When you take a look at China's numbers, which I, it makes no sense to do on a podcast because they're changing every second, right? They're all underreported. I do not believe China's numbers at all, one bit and in any way. They're underreporting the number of people who have coronavirus, and they're underreporting the number of deaths that have happened. Well, I don't know because how you this could, is who they are. I don't know how you could jump to that conclusion. They're such an honest regime, Tony. Yes, right. I, I, if it's G, it's for me. I, <laughs> la, 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 la. No, I, I'm amused by the amount of people, especially on the left and in the mainstream media, who seem to be parroting some of the messaging coming from the Chinese regime. Uh, go ahead. I, go ahead. I, go I, ahead. I, just the idea that, A, okay, they reported that there were no new cases for two or three days, and the only new cases that they were reporting were from people from outside the country coming in, and people are parroting that message right. in the media. Uh, it's laughable to believe them. And then uh, you, you've heard some people say, well, geez, they've done a really good job of containing it. And they, they, they were welding doors shut on buildings. Yeah. It, it's a disgusting regime. I hope that if any good comes out of this disaster, it's we will reexamine our political relationship and business relationship with China. So let's get into, put that to the side, write it down, put it to the side, because we're going to get into that, what they refer to as decoupling, right? Or as Gwyneth would say, the conscious uncoupling with China. Perfect time uh, to use that. Yes, China is not honest about the numbers, but who else isn't honest is the World Health Organization. We should note two things. Number one, it was the World Health Organization that back in January was saying that coronavirus wasn't contagious. And then it's the World Health Organization now saying what a great job China has done. There's a conversation about the amount of money China gives to the World Health Organization to get these kinds of positive reviews. And that doesn't do us as a society of human beings around the globe any good. China 
putting pressure on the World Health Organization and them bowing to that pressure does not help any nation in Africa at all. It doesn't help anybody in South America at all. It hasn't helped a single European at all. So when we're taking a look at the totality of issues here, that has to be addressed. Bringing it back to the United States, the conversation has been about, well, Trump didn't act fast enough. Trump did act fast enough when he said no travel out of China. You couldn't act faster. And it was the World Health Organization saying that wasn't necessary, that it was, you know, that's going to just create a problem. You had American politicians saying it was xenophobic and that it was going to exacerbate trade issues with China. And now they're saying he didn't move fast enough. Where he did not move fast enough is as follows. He looked at this as how will this be used by the press against me? as opposed to exactly how do I engage this. I will argue, I think successfully, that those first four days, four days, not 40 days, four days, or if you want to argue uh, the time between when he made the, the, the stop of the, of the travel and two weeks ago, um, this, was, this is not his wheelhouse. It's absolutely not his ballywick. But his initial reaction of, okay, don't let those people in if they're sick, was right. His initial take of, you know what, we're going to get through this. Everyone, that was his style of trying to calm people down. He is not the touchy-feely president. He is not the warm, fuzzy president. And so he missed the moment of what people want in a commander-in-chief, which is to have this almost, this, 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 this figure of, of, of warmth and of caring in the big arms around America. Now, I'm not like that. There, uh, with my family, I'm touchy-feely. Everybody else, I'm, I'm not. And I certainly don't need that from my president. But I get that other people do. It's like listening to Ronald Reagan when he talked about the Challenger disaster, about how they reached out their hand and touched the face of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, dear Lord, what imagery and what understanding and what g- g- comfort that creates and you can laugh about it but the truth is americans absolutely do want it and he missed that moment and one of the ways you know he missed that moment is when he created the task force he put mike pence in charge the vice president now i will say the vice president i think has done a a, a very very good job but you'll notice three days after that it was trump showing up at all the press conferences leading because he realized that he has to be the voice it did take him a couple of days. It did take him a couple of days to figure out, wait a second, this is more than just a political attack against me. And it is because you're right, Fingers. They use everything as a political attack uh, against Trump. It took him a few days. But you can't argue that anything that has happened since, and even the first steps that he took, were bad steps. That's not an argument that holds. Well, I think that part of the problem is he is a businessman and not a politician. And I can't think of too many CEOs of successful corporations who are uh, the huggable type off the top of my head. They're usually cold um, and they take care of business. So unfortunately, I, I do think that you're right is there was a time in this where he's thinking, how are they going to use this against me politically instead of, okay, how can I get in front of this and lead a movement in in our government that will calm the fears of the American people. I do believe what he has done as far as behind the scenes, putting things in place, as far as I'm concerned, it, it, it appears as though he's done a very good job of that. I am going to delegate power. I'm going to 
put people in a position right. to take care of this problem, and I'm going to direct it. Uh, but the messaging was not all that great. No, not the at the beginning. And I don't, I don't think it's like the end of the world to say that. I think it's okay to say that. You can say that and not hate the guy. I don't hate the guy. The, 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 the testing kits was one of the conversations, right? Well, you learn that they actually did start testing, sending out testing kits much earlier. There's a reagent in the testing kit, the way to utilize to make sure you know what the test result's going to be. And the reagent was bad. So all those kits had to come back and they started from ground zero. Then they realized that they didn't have, well, A, enough tests. And then B, they didn't have enough labs to do the tests, right? So they had to get rid of the red tape that allowed states to be able to create their own tests and do their own tests and get into the testing. One of the most incredible stories here, because it was CNBC that, that did an article about this is really hurting Trump's chances uh, at winning re-election because he's the guy who was going to drain the swamp and now he's relying on big government stuff. Well, we'll get to the bailout conversation in a second because that is big government stuff. But everything that they have done, whether it's the FDA or NIH or with the testing, everything that they have done to help, everything they've done to help on the economic side to move doctors across state lines has been about reducing regulation and reducing the state. Reducing government is was what made things better in America. Not more government, less. One of the it's like this undercurrent story where you realize once you take away regulation, you allow people to actually do their work. It's amazing what can be done. The creativity just flows. It's remarkable. Well, isn't there, uh, you know, when we're, we're talking about corporations possibly getting bailouts and corporations having to jump through hoops just to stay in business, one of the things that we've seen with the airline industry is they're, they're dropping these restrictions on how many flights leave particular airports to be able to keep Was that right? I, I, I believe that's the case. Mm-hmm. I, I'll have to double check that, but Part of any kind of bailout package that they're talking about, I would like to see more of that, more cutting red tape instead of let's just throw money at the problem and and hope that that helps. So, uh, by the way, there are people who are wicked unhappy that the airlines are going to get a a bailout. Uh, you you make our seats smaller. You charge us for the first bag. You charge us for this. I haven't seen a peanut in a million years, right? And yeah. and and now you're going to get fifty billion dollars. I see billion. I struggle with this. I really do because look, I'm not a big government guy. I don't like bailouts. Uh, the government is forcing a lot of this on people. We just talked about this a few minutes ago about you know social distancing versus commerce distancing. Jeez, uh, if the government comes off the top rope and basically makes it impossible for your industry. To do business, businesses aren't designed to be able to shut down and be able to survive for two, three, four, six months. It's not like no, they can't. I, I, it's not like a household where people will say, "Well, geez, why don't they just, uh, you know, have six months worth of savings in the uh, uh, in their business account for a rainy day?" Well, they aren't designed to be able to do that. So if if government comes in and says, "Hey, hey, listen, uh, we'll use the automotive industry for a second. Uh, all the states that have factories, uh, be, listen BMW, listen Honda, listen General Motors, listen Chrysler. You can't, you can't keep your factories open. We're closing you down. Okay, uh, geez, for how long? And then you start asking these questions. If government is coming in and and saying you can't do business, 
and if we find out that this may be an overreaction, is there some responsibility of government to step in and say, okay, we've we've shut you down. Uh, we we need to prop you up a little bit. All right, I struggle with that. So, as I see it, my I don't think the answer is to shut down business the way we have. I don't think the answer is to tell people we need social distancing and therefore you can't run your restaurant. I think this is a mistake because it's one thing to say people need to be more spread apart, but why couldn't restaurants figure that out? Space out tables. We're already telling people six feet apart, right? So the restaurants couldn't do this. They couldn't, the people who decided to sit together, maybe you don't have parties bigger than five, right? Or parties uh, bigger than six at one table. And you're seeing that. Right? Uh, and and you, you could, you, they could have still spaced things out using the restaurant business as an example. So that they may have had to lay some people off, but they didn't have to lay, lay everybody off. That would, that would not have been necessary. They would not have had to have done that. They could have quite simply kept the lights on, and kept moving on down the line. That would have been the, the, the I think, the prudent course and the prudent way. So as for the bailout, who gets the money? That's your question, right? Like, who gets, who gets the money? Whether, whether or not government should do this to begin with? When you take a look at their bailout plan, it's $1,200 per American adult who makes 75000 a year or less. Mm-hmm. So if you make 75000 as a single person, married 150000 you will get $1,200 or $2,400. After that threshold, it goes down $5 per thousand, or $5 per hundred. So let's say you are a married couple making 151000 a year. You both say you start with a check of 1200 each. The $1,000... The, uh, that you make over that turns out to be a $50 reduction in your checks. So instead of 1200 each, you're getting 1150 each. You're going to end up with $2,300, and then you get $500 per kid. What is not asked is whether or not you were impacted. Right. And that's where I think it all falls apart. I mean, there are going to be people whose business is totally normal, and they're going to end up with these checks. But they're not the people who have to worry about making a rent payment. But you're hearing about people suspending rent payments. You're hearing about conversations about suspending mortgage payments. So what's the purpose of this money? Well, the purpose of the money is to get you spending it. If the businesses are closed, where am I supposed to spend it? Can I spend it? Let's say my family got $3,000 using and making up a number. Let's say I want to get a room in my house painted, two rooms in the house painted. Am I allowed to have a painter come over and paint? Because... I don't know if they're healthy or not. So again, how do I spend the money if, as you're discussing it, fingers, and I think it's this is I'm gonna start using it. Uh the the commerce distancing is in play. Uh, you want me to spend the money getting a new computer? You really think the answer is giving the money to Apple? I'm not angry against uh, uh, I'm not angry with Apple. By the way, subscribe to the podcast <laughs> at Apple Podcasts, eat, drink, smoke, write a review, give it a five-star review. Do uh, the whole thing, but I the it I won't do that. If I'm getting the three thousand dollars, I'm spending that money locally, and I'm not doing it as donation. 
I am actually going to pay people for work because people want to work. And then they'll distribute money also. I'm not doing it as donation. But how do I actually make the money circulate? This is a question not being answered. We're throwing money at a problem and asking ourselves whether or not the money gets to the intended target. And then have you listened to the laundry list of things that people want? They see it's, it's Rahm Emanuel, right? Former <laughs> chief of staff to Obama, former congressman from Illinois, former mayor of Chicago. Never let a crisis go to waste. Right. Right. They want to do paid family leave for a lifetime. They want this program and that program. They don't want unemployment insurance. They want employment insurance. They want to guarantee jobs to people. I'm sorry, I'm not utilizing this, no matter how awful it is. I'm not utilizing this to usurp the Constitution, to usurp my rights, to usurp my freedom. You mean I now have seven more government programs I have to get taxed on, and I'm not allowed to leave my house? Bitch, please. What are we all nuts? I won't have any part of it. No, so, it's it's interesting that you bring that up, because I had a family member say to me, wow, it's going to be cool to get that government check what what if you get it what will you do and i said well if i'm working which i plan to be working right what what am i going to spend it on i I, i'll probably pay down debt how does it helps me but it doesn't necessarily help the small businessman down the street that's struggling uh i you're right there should be some sort of criteria if hey you you're so many people have the ability to work from home and their income has not been affected. Why should they get money? Why, why should they get a, a, a handout? I'm, sta- I'm staring at you blankly. I, I, I actually don't know. But it's clear that their plan is spend the money, get the economy moving. You can't get the economy moving if everything is closed. You can't get the economy moving if everything is closed. Well, you're, you're like, I want to put new floors in my bathrooms. Oh, good, because they look terrible. Thank you. Uh, am I going to want crews coming into my house? Are crews going to want to come into my house? Right. It's, it's, it's it goes ways. both ways. Yeah. So uh, where's this money going to go? And sh- again, I don't feel like people who are working should get this money. We ju- we've just seen too many people who are hurting right now. And yes, something should be done. I would prefer that we figure out a way to get these businesses back open as soon as possible. Uh, but if they do hand out this money, it should be to people who are unemployed and who are worried about... Who've really I- lost their jobs. Yeah. How am I going to keep the lights on and my kids fed? Now, let's get back to the bourbon, the big house bourbon made by the people at Sazerac. It is 90 proof, 45% alcohol by volume, six years aged, straight bourbon whiskey. It's terrific. I, I got to tell you, pairing it with the cat's coffee, ah, it's, it's a fantastic pairing. No, no, no. I made coffee. It's not actually... Ca- Cats is a brand. There's actually a brand of Cats's Coffee. Oh yeah, they're they're a manufacturer. Not bad. Um, if they sponsored the show, they'd be amazing. Uh, Michael Avenatti part coffee. of that? Uh, d- don't Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti used to own part of Pete's. I think it was. Was that it? Was that Tully's? Tully's. 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 Don't sully Pete's. And I love Pete's yeah. coffee. Well, when I used to live in California, uh, Tully's was spectacular. And knowing now that I may have given money to Michael Avenatti makes me sad. Yeah. So sad. This bourbon makes me good. This bourbon's terrific. This bourbon is insane. I have spent more money on a value meal at McDonald's than what yeah. you spent on this bottle on of my, bourbon. On my eight ninety nine. I asked you to put a subject aside. Which subject was that? Did you, did you remember? Did you write it down? I, I, uh, the relationship separating 
uh, economically and politically from China. Ah, yes, the decoupling. I want to get to that, and then I want to get to John Cryer, uh, the actor. We're talking about Ducky. We're talking about Two and a Half Men, who proceeded to ask, and this this is even an impossible thing to do. He asked the dumbest question possible on social media, which is impossible. Impossible to have the dumbest question, but John Cryer has won. So I want to do both of those things. But first, let's get to the smoke. So the smoke is from Drew Estate. This is the Ratzilla. Now, Drew Estate makes excellent cigars. What's so funny? If I were a marketer. Ratzilla? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Ratzilla, you could, Godzilla, the song. Instead right? of it, would be Ratzilla. <laughs> Want a great cigar? <laughs> At a reasonable price, Ratzilla. Just throwing that out there. Hey, no, the no. Ratzilla people. That was free. <laughs> they they must appreciate that. Uh, they make cigars that I really do like. They have the nine, the T fifty two. They have uh, the Feral Flying Pig, which I think is a fantastic smoke. The Ratzilla is terrific. This is um, the Corona Gorda. So it's six and a half by forty six. Six and a half is or six and a quarter. Six and a quarter inches long. Yeah, he always likes to laugh at that. Does fingers molly. And the ring gauge is 46. That's how thick it is around. So 64 would be a full inch around. So this is 46. So this is uh, almost into the size. I shouldn't say almost, but most resembles uh, a Lancero, right? The longer, thinner kind of, of, of smoke, sometimes considered dainty. It's sensational. It's a Connecticut sun-grown Habano uh, on the wrapper. The fillers, Nicaraguan and Honduran. Uh, the Drew Estates guys um, do good cigars. There's no doubt about it. This is going to be a, a medium, medium full uh, smoke right here. Um, I don't see their stuff out enough because they're very, very picky. You have to carry this and you have to do that. And they try and create rules, as I've heard many people in the cigar world discuss it. The cigars themselves, I'm a fan of. I enjoy what Drew Estate uh, has to do. And the Herrera Esteli, for example, and a, and a couple other ones they've got. You might see some of their cigars as the known as the Undercrown series. Um, they're terrific. They're, the, the Undercrown is a very, very good uh, smoke. I'm a huge fan of the Ratzilla. I actually smoked one just yesterday and thrilled to be smoking one right now. Um Draw is going to be solid. The burn is going to be uh, very, very uh, easy um, on this, uh, and you're gonna you're gonna get a little bit of that pepper because of the sun grown, right? Because of of where uh, the 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 wrapper is. Um, there's a little bit of coffee going on uh, in there. It's going to build out to some more wood kind of flavors as you get into the second third. But I'm glad we have the coffee. We we each are doing coffee, and we each are doing a, a bourbon because more and more. As I've said, the coffee cigar pairing is just where I want to be. It's absolutely where I want to be. And I think that this is a strong enough cigar to go with the sweet of this bourbon. I didn't know anything about the bourbon really until trying it with you just now. So I, I think that it might work out. It might, it might be a little too sweet for the cigar. Uh, I'm, I'm that, again, that's a palate conversation. Well, but I do think that since we've had this on the sphere for a little bit while, for a little bit while, for a little while, Right. Uh, the the sweetness has kind of have uh, it's kind of gone away. It's oh, you it's do. Not, it's not what it was, and but I'm still enjoying it uh, a, a lot. And this cigar, um, I'm I'm not 
remembering what we smoked last week, but that was very powerful, the spice on that cigar. Right. Uh, this right here, I, I do like that it has a little bit of spice, but it doesn't have quite the kick of what we were doing last week. Well, that, I mean, that, that was, you're, you're going to have to go to the podcast. See, that's why he's not, he's saying it like, yes, that. you have to go to the podcast and check out what we had uh, last week. And then you'll be like, Oh, that's what he's referring to. Um, th- there was definitely some boldness. By the way, this, the coffee that we're doing, uh, with this, uh, is, is Lavazza. Um, I'm, pronou- I'm going to pronounce it wrong. Uh, the Grand Celazion. It's the green bag. Or the the black bag with the green uh, labeling. I happen to like Lavazza. I do a a bunch of Lavazza, uh, you know, in, in 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 the house. The Gran Aroma is usually a, what what I do. A little less intense uh, of a of a coffee. Um, this and in, in the intensity and the strength is a seven out of their out of their scale. So this got a little more hit to it. It's very good. Uh, but did you know what Lavazza means? It's Spanish translation. Coronavirus. Uh, no, the Sanka. A lot of no. people don't know that. <laughs> it's true. I shouldn't say no. It's very good. It's not Sanka. No, I'd like them to be a sponsor one day. If you, <laughs> if, if, Sanka, if, if you don't want, yes, yeah, Sanka, Lavaza. Luckily, we have Fanimation. Fanimation dot com ceiling fans that you are going to love in your home. Whisper quiet. These motors are amazing, and they're. By, by the way, some people have had you know issues, and then there are supply chain things. Fanimation, you can find those ceiling fans, and they will get right to you. Incredible work and totally customizable, indoor and outdoor, and just spectacular. So check them out. Fanimation dot com. Fanimation dot com. Find them on Facebook. Like the page. Tell them you heard about it on. The Eat Drink Smoke podcast, Fanimation, Fanimation.com. Ceiling fans, you are going to love. They're going to look great in your family room, in your living room, in your bedrooms, wherever it is you need a ceiling fan. Fanimation.com. The decoupling conversation. Now, do I want to do decoupling or do I want to do John Cryer? I think do decoupling first and then we'll go into John Cryer. So the decoupling conversation is about how do we put an end to our reliance on China? And yes, to what you were saying earlier, Fingers, this is where people are starting to come to an, oh, here's the problem. You're seeing Republicans and Democrats say China cannot get away with this. Ed Markey is the senator from Massachusetts. And Ed Markey was the guy who co-sponsored in the Senate the Green New Deal with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. We don't agree on anything. He says China has to pay. Chris Coons, the senator from Delaware, Democrat, China has to pay. And I think that means more than just paying dollars, although I have an idea of how to do the dollars. You're seeing people realize where the problem is. And the problem is, is that we have a history of giving up things to China and saying, oh, we don't need to do that. So when we were putting manufacturing into China, as we were in in the 80s, in the 90s, the theory was, and it's a theory that even I bought into, the theory was was that they will westernize. Uh, their people will all of a sudden discover blue jeans and McDonald's, and the next thing you know, uh, they're gonna they're gonna be an open society. China never went that route, and it didn't take too much to realize coming into the two thousands that they were never going to take that route. As a matter of fact, there there's been some open conversation about the fact that they took a look at at Gorbachev. They took a look at Russia. They took a look at what happened when they went away from communism. And they said the answer is not less communism, it's more communism. They took a look at Muammar Gaddafi being taken out 
in, in Libya. They took a look at those Arab Springs and those green revolutions, and their answer was not less communism, more communism. They were going to continue to run this state capitalism model. Now, we should be clear, China is not a capitalist nation, and there's no such thing as state capitalism or state-run capitalism. They'll talk about it in the same way people talk about late-stage capitalism. Well, you can find some professor to talk about it. I'm here to tell you it doesn't exist. There is capitalism, and everything else is a bastardization. There is the idea of markets, or there are no markets. Even in the United States, we do not do enough to talk about markets. Our interference in markets is remarkable. And the proof of that is what we were talking about with whether it's the FDA or these other regulations that have allowed people to really attack coronavirus the way they need to. The reduction of regulations have allowed the markets to do what it is they do. The work can actually get done. So China never opened up. China continued to be the authoritarian hellhole that it is. I don't want that to be the case. I know that I've done enough on radio and enough podcasts that I'm never going to be able to visit China. I'm actually sad about it. I'm, dis- I, I'm, I'm not distraught over it, but if when I think about places I'd like to go, things I'd like to see, I'd love to see it. But how do you not notice? What am I supposed to do? Not, say it, 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 not say that it exists so hopefully I can take a vacation one day? I can't live like that. I can't, I can't do that. They are an authoritarian regime. They are the people who, if you dissent, they will throw you in jail. In the earliest days of coronavirus, there were doctors who wanted to get the word out. They were thrown into quarantine camps, and there were some who were never heard from again. This is China, just so we're clear. And this China has desires for world domination. It's called China 2025. They want to have control of the technology and they want to have control militarily. That's why they've been building islands in the Yellow Sea, the South China Sea and other areas. They're not building them originally. I thought they were building islands because they wanted to have airstrips. They wanted to build airstrips so they can have more launch sites. No, 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 no. They're building islands so they can claim territorial waters. (laughs) So they can further control areas, control shipping lanes and push people around. Specifically, South Korea, Japan, and all of those other nations in and around the Pacific Rim. And, of course, bother the United States because the United States is the one they have to take down. They have been building aircraft carriers. China is the only nation where a billionaire can buy an aircraft carrier because he just wanted it and then decide to donate it to the government. Do you think anybody in China donates anything? Do you think? Do you really think Jack Ma owns Alibaba? Jack Ma doesn't own a damn thing. He was just the guy lucky enough to be able to have some money to spend on things. The Communist Party owns it. And the minute he steps out of line, he's gone. That's the reality of China. So they have aircraft carriers. Now, understand they are far behind the United States. A U.S. aircraft carrier can reconfigure to hold 99 planes. The Chinese can basically get like 65 on a plane. Secondly, you have to be able to figure out how to land on a boat. You have a plane that's moving and a boat that's moving. You try how to land. That is not easy stuff to do. They are teaching themselves how to do it. They have at least figured out ski jump technology. So when you look at aircraft carriers now and the things that are coming out, it used to be in the Top Gun days, the Maverick days, the the fighter jet would take off. You know, it would be using that catapult kind of system. And then you'd see it dip down and then the the plane, the, the thrust would take over and the plane would be able to get lift. Now the end of the aircraft carrier 
has like a scoop up, mm. like a ski jump. So to help the plane get through. So the Chinese are working on that. Their desire to go what's referred to as deep blue is massive. It's huge. They want control of territorial waters. Of all the things you can ever discuss militarily, the, there is nothing that can replicate control of the seas. You can fight an army with drones. You can replace the Air Force with drones. You need ships on the water. In the end, you need ships on the water. The Spanish proved that with the Spanish Armada. The British proved that. The U.S. proved that. China read a book and understands <laughs> you need this. So understand what they're doing. Now take a look at the technology piece, which is all about 5G right now. So 5G is the the internet technology, the speed that's really going to control what's referred to as the internet of things, specifically AI, how the internet controls all the things in your house. That's 5G. And so the, the, the issue here is who's going to control 5G, build this proper switch for 5G, and they get to set the protocols. If China sets the protocols, there is not an ounce of data you can put through the system that China won't be able to glean. As a matter of fact, the British, in a disgusting move by Boris Johnson, has said he's going to go with China in helping to build out their 5G infrastructure. The United States has said, well, then we can't share uh, intelligence with you. And they said, oh, okay. Like they were like, Pro- okay, we, we, we're going to call your bluff. There's no calling the bluff. We can't share with you. They cannot be trusted. And I actually think that should be a trade issue that if you're going to utilize China, sorry, you go to the back of the line on trade. I've never said that before about Great Britain. And when the UK wanted to get drop the EU, right, in Brexit, we should be there to sign a trade deal with them just to prove to the European Union that they don't count. But if you're going to use China to move forward your data, they can't be trusted. They got to go. So there's the technology piece. There's the military piece. And then there's the piece people only learned last week. That China manufactures 80% of the drugs in the United States. Scary. Is that frightening? Yeah. They don't develop the drugs. The drugs are developed here. We have the mines. They make them. They've got the raw materials. They do the putting it together and they send it back to us. So people just realized, my God, what leverage they have over us. Never mind economic leverage. Look at the leverage they have over us on grandpa's medication. And here's the question I have for you, Tony, because you know we're both free market guys, don't like a lot of government intervention, but this is a national security issue we're talking about here. Shouldn't there have been some sort of oversight saying, okay, listen, we're, we're all for pharmaceuticals, uh, the industry, running your own business, but this is bad. Yes, and the oversight should have come from Americans because politicians cannot be trusted in this case. Republicans and Democrats are guilty. End of list. Now what? They're guilty. They're all guilty. Trump's guilty. Pence is guilty. And Obama's guilty and Biden's guilty. And Clinton's guilty and Gore is guilty. And Bush is guilty and and Cheney is guilty. They're guilty. And every speaker of the House in between and every member of Congress in between is guilty. Now what? It's our fault for allowing this to happen and for saying we want everything on the cheap. The truth is you can no longer have $1 t-shirts from Walmart. That's over. Everything you used to think is okay is over. This is where the decoupling comes into play. Because I have a theory on how we pay for everything dealing with coronavirus. And my theory is we take a zero off the debt we owe China. We owe China $1.14 trillion. And sometimes the number fluctuates, but go with that for, for, for this. We pay a debt payment every single month to China. No, we're not paying you. We're buying ventilators. 
And what we should be doing is inspiring and pushing American companies to build ventilators. I know that GM and others have said they'd retrofit plants to build them. Tesla said they would do the same. That's all fine and good. But what we should do is inspire companies to build uh, ventilators here. And not only should we inspire them, we should say, if you start a ventilation production company here, the company will not get a business tax for three years. And the employees who work there won't have a personal income tax for three years. How quickly could you build that business? Mm -hmm. Same thing with drug manufacturing. Not necessarily creation, although I think you can help that out. On the manufacturing, the business doesn't pay a business tax for three years. The employees don't pay an income tax for three years. Why not? Because what you're talking about is what's, is, is part of what Trump authorized in the Defense to Production Act, which is not new. It's been around since 1950. It's been enacted 50 times, as I know it, between then and now. And it says that the government can compel, if you will, businesses to provide and produce for America first, right? I don't even think – now, there are people yelling and screaming that Trump should be he's, – he's enacted it, but he hasn't done anything with it, as at least as of this moment. Trump should be doing this, and Trump should be doing that. We can incentivize everything without ordering anything. We can incentivize it by opening up the financial opportunities. If you did not have to pay an income tax for three years, how quickly would you go to work for this company? If you were a business that you could get into this and not have to pay a business tax for three years, how much more can you invest in the business itself, in the operations, in the physical plant, in the people, in all of it? It is remarkable what can be done. But that's where we have to go. So as much as I want to say, we're not, we're not paying you. We're buying ventilators. We're buying masks. We're doing this. We're doing that. And we're taking care of Americans first. That's what we're doing with the money because China is guilty. That may be a hard one to pull off. But we can start these other things where we start taking back on the drug front. And we start taking back on the manufacturing front. And one of the things that Donald Trump has to say, and one of the things that Mike Pence has to say, and they have to say it, The days of $1 t-shirts are over. The days of the cheap little thing from Walmart is over. You will pay more for all of it, but the country will survive. Because if China's in charge, you're done. You don't get any say. There is no hope. We have to bring it all back here. If we're going to get into the idea of actual sacrifice, America which is a whole nother conversation, here's where it starts. You're going to pay $4 for your t-shirts. That's all there is to it. Well... If we had serious people in Washington, that is something that could happen. But here's where the waters get murky. You, 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 you throw that proposal out there to pharmaceuticals. Listen, you don't have to pay taxes for three years. You bring the stuff back here. You'll have a certain political movement that will say, well, that's awful. You're giving a corporation a tax cut. Also, what will the impact be on the planet? in our environment if we bring that manufacturing back to the United States. And if we're going to do that, we need to have more environmental regulations. You know what? Can we slip the Green New Deal in on this particular proposal? And then, of course, all of those good proposals that you just threw out there, Tony, would be dead on arrival because they would throw that crap in there and then nothing would get done. There is a story out there right now that uh, says, you know, the real problem, the real issue is not coronavirus. The real issue is how we prepare for climate change. Crazy people should not be spoken to. 
They should be dismissed. If you're more interested in climate change than you are in the future of the nation, uh, get out. You're wrong. You're always going to be wrong. You're wrong. Your kids are wrong. Your mom's wrong. Your dry cleaner's wrong. They're wrong. They're terrible people, by the way. And someone should divorce you. But people, you should, you should be dropped. But these people are more concerned with the planet than they are about the people who are in a hospital right now who need the medication that's on the crash cart that should be brought back to the United States and manufactured here instead of in China. Some people on the left are more concerned about the planet than that person on a hospital bed needing that drug. That No, I don't believe that there are. There are crazy people out there, but that's if we're listening to social media. Here, this is Vice. The coronavirus pandemic has shed light on how transgender people's care can be treated as non-essential. Because I guess they're not doing what? Sex change surgeries or or or, or gender-affirming surgeries? Gender-affirming? I guess that was sex change. I guess that's the new terminology. I pay no attention to these people. But how much of that... Percentage-wise, is now the base of the Democratic Party that reads that and will not an improvement. An approval? Maybe there are, and the answer is, I think that this might be an unbelievable eye opener for people. When you can't get medicine, that's the question. You're going to tell me about a polluted river? I don't want the polluted river, but you can't get medicine. My father, my father at eighty-two. This he's been telling me this, so he's 82, and he's been telling me this for 150 years. He, <laughs> he he goes, here's the problem with some of these people. You look at you live in an apartment. You look outside your window and you see uh, a, a woman being being mugged. You see a woman being mugged, and and you go to call the police because a woman's being mugged. And as you call and you're looking out the window, you notice that uh, one of the traffic lights is out. The police answer the phone, 911, what's your emergency? What do you say? The traffic light is out. This is their problem. Now, he's done it differently before. You know, you, there's, an, there's somebody with an ax beating down your door. You call 911, and when you look out the window, you notice that traffic light is out. What do you do? They can't, they can't see straight. They can't think straight. So I can't listen to them. They are out of the conversation. Ocasio-Cortez is out of the conversation. She's not allowed to participate. That's all there is to it. You want to get them there even faster. You say that someone is knocking down a traffic camera. <laughs> That'll get them there even faster. It's, oh. Uh, Somebody's messing I'm, with my revenue? I, I, I didn't realize, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize where you were going. You win. You win that one. These people cannot be trusted. They cannot run a country. They don't understand right and wrong. But Americans do, regardless of the political affiliation, they're seeing it right now. So there is this opportunity. And secondly, some things are the right thing to do. You have to keep the country safe and whole. So this idea of decoupling comes in, is this, the realization that we have allowed China too much sway over our lives and it has to end. The entire propaganda fight that's going on, which is why Trump is calling it Chinese virus, by the way, and the media doesn't understand this. The media wants to take China's side. Oh, this is racist. First of all, it's not racist. And secondly, they lied about a virus. They wouldn't let the CDC help. The virus spread. They lie about the numbers. Americans are dying. You're worried about whether it's called Wuhan coronavirus or Chinese virus? You're... I'm sorry, you don't get to participate. 
you're just too ridiculous for words. You don't know what's important. How how ridiculous is it that this is what makes Trump derangement syndrome? This is what it does to people. Where's the lie count for China? I mean, you, you, you have this, oh, daily, oh, Trump lied three times today. Trump has lied 16,000 times since he's taken office. Where's the, where's the lie count for China? Where, where is it? Why are you taking China's word for their, their numbers? Why is the World Health Organization patting China on the back saying things like, well, there haven't been, uh, there hasn't been a new case of the coronavirus in three days. Don't look at me with a straight face. And tell me you believe that information. Because you, you can't tell me that you believe it. But you're saying it anyway. What I have never hated anybody this much in my whole life. People who hate Trump, the, tr- hate rots the brain. This isn't about liking everything he does or even liking him. How could you hate somebody this much that you're willing to take the side of a communist regime? It's remarkable. Well, I think that there are enough Americans to put aside the insanity of, of some of these other people and making these moves. And this is what has to happen. And part of it is a conversation about sacrifice and where I want to hear the president talk about more about it. The sacrifice is the days of cheap goods are over. It's an okay thing to say. You want to wait? I, I, I have a derangement story. I have a derangement. Derangement. Are you right? This is the yeah. John Cryer story. Okay, go ahead. John Cryer. Now, if you were to take a look at the last uh, of, of Trump's entire term until a month ago, what would you say about it? What would you say about the last three years of America under Trump? Well, it's been a successful administration. The, you, can, um, you look at the stock market until the coronavirus. It has grown. Uh, unemployment, a record lows. Uh, the amount of regulation that has been cut, it's been fantastic. And so far, it, if you were just lo- stepping back, other than you know, obviously, obviously the deficit spending, it's been a very successful administration. John Cryer, Ducky mm-hmm. from Pretty in Pink, uh, two and a half men. John Cryer. Hey, America, he writes on Twitter. Are you better off now than you were four years ago? (laughs) You can't be that criminally stupid. And I never use the word stupid. That's just sick. That is is sick and twisted. You choose now? You choose pandemic to take your hit on Trump? Because you couldn't say that a month ago. Now, could you? That's gross. See, people like John Cryer can't run a country. They can't be allowed near it. They can't, they aren't to be trusted or listened to. They are to be called losers to their face or really just pushed aside. But it's a great example of how deranged people are with their Trump hate. Now, did you see on Twitter, did Bette Midler like that tweet? Did, did you see? It, it was like 54,000 oh, times. Of course. Why don't you just take it a step further and use some of the Chinese language the, 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 from the, the regime and, and call it the Trump virus? Why don't you just take it a step further then? I, I, it is so ridiculous. It's like we talked about earlier. You, but, know who, you know who did that, right? No. You know who just praised, who got praise? Hillary Clinton got praise from whom? The Chinese ambassador to South Africa. Because Hillary said the president is turning to racist rhetoric to distract from his failures to take the coronavirus seriously early on. 
Don't fall for it. Don't let your family, friends and family fall for it. And this was on March 18th. So that was, you know, this past week as we're doing the podcast. And now she's being used as the useful idiot. That's the term from Vladimir Lenin, uh, by the way. Um, that people who are supportive of, of this communist cause, she's the useful idiot and China's utilizing her. So she's- China News Service retweeted her. And then you've got the ambassador to South Africa, the Chinese ambassador, uh, saying it's true. Justice always speaks loudly. What the? F- Wait a minute. Yes. Yes. Justice? The, the Chinese are going to teach you about justice, as you know. Good Lord. So is she a Chinese puppet then? Well, clearly. I mean, I clearly. Russian puppet, Russian puppet, Russian puppet with, with Trump. Clearly, she's a Chinese puppet then. But these people, are the, the, there's the difference. And by the way, I noticed I didn't ask your politics, right? I'm not asking you uh, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. I'm asking you whether or not these people should be allowed to run a country. What makes more sense, the United States manufacturing its own drugs or pushing a line that the president is racist that gets utilized by the Chinese in their propaganda fight? Because what China is up against is, by the way, their future. Communism only works on lies. So they they have a virus. They don't tell anybody about it. They lie about the numbers. And then they give foreign aid to Italy. And everyone's like, oh, look how great they are. Meanwhile, President Trump is banning travel to Europe. <laughs> you banned travel to Europe because you needed to stop the spread. Why do you think you're telling us you can't, we can't leave our damn homes? And I think it's an important point to bring up, too, about what you're talking about is using incentives to bring this back, not trying to force corporations with a heavy hand of regulation to bring it back. You're talking about tax incentives to bring right. this business back and i think that there there's a difference there that needs to be pointed out i continue to be a market guy that doesn't change uh f- for me um but i pointing these people out how bad they are for the future of america and why they can't be trusted why they they cannot have power i think that's that that's essential i think that's essential and china is trying to figure out how they 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 keep their control and keep their power because people are going to start realizing, and they already have. Wait a second. Have we noticed how many diseases come out of China? That's not an attack on Chinese people. Stop it. That's a noticing of the facts. Have we noticed that they lie about the numbers? They lie about this. The, have we noticed how much control they have of everything? Why do we allow them so much control? The United States has to do something about this, man. They just have to. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think I've created my case and kind of made my case. In the meantime, if that's if that's the silver lining of coronavirus, that's not a bad silver lining. Sure as hell isn't worth all the people who have died or have gotten sick. It's not. And I still think that we're overreacting. In the end, do you think we're overreacting? Do you think the country's overreacting? Yes. What would you rather they've done? Uh, well, I I think I stated it in the first segment of the of the podcast. I think that there should be a message coming from federal, state, and local officials about the social distancing. Uh, I think that there needs to be a coordinated effort from the federal government working with state and local officials to try to get the resources necessary to hospitals and healthcare providers to get ready for this virus. I have a problem with government shutting down business and crippling the United States economy. And I think everyone is looking to Italy and they're terrified that we are going to become Italy when we aren't Italy. We are not Italy. And so I that's where I think it's a bridge too far when you start going around the country 
and 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 telling people you cannot run your business anymore. And I can't not only can you not run it, I can't tell you when you can reopen it. That's a what how is a businessman supposed to run his business when he can't even determine when he can get back to business? It's one thing to say, okay, we've got these outside forces that are affecting my bottom line and my business. It's another thing when the government says, you're shut down and I can't tell you when you're going to reopen. I have a problem with that. And, uh, I think rational people do. Now, the one thing that you can't do is uh, you know, ask government, when is this all going to be over? I don't think you can ask a government that. I think some people are like, well, when are we done with this? I don't know when we're done with this. You know, I think a lot, of, there, there was, a, there was a great uh, tweet I saw. I forget what it was in relationship to, but it was somebody who tweeted out who, uh, like, you know, my mother would like to have known when World War II was going to be over. Right? Right. I, there, there are things that you just have to deal with and find your way through a normal everyday life to the best of your, your ability. And that's what I'd like to see people doing. That's what I'd see, you know, people acting in. But what I really need to see is us moving on this conversation of being uh, totally self-sufficient and, and away from China. That is Fingers Malloy, by the way. Find him at fingersmalloy.com and uh, on Facebook, Fingers Malloy Radio. You can find me, Tony Katz Radio, on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Tony Katz, tonycats.com for all the things. And you subscribe to the podcast right here. Eat, drink, smoke. On Apple Podcasts, it's on Google Play, it's on Stitcher as well, but write the review, five-star review. I almost feel bad that we've been doing so much coronavirus stuff, but hopefully we're hitting different things. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to answer that for for people. I mean, it's right here in front of us, and it it touches so many things. It dominates the conversation. Quickly, I just wanted to revisit something from the first segment uh, about ghost planes. What we were talking about earlier about airline regulation and uh, the European Union and the United States have been forcing planes to fly empty to keep their airport slots. And now they they have been reducing that burden because you had to fly 80% of your schedule to keep... Your oh, keep your slot in the slot air. Slot in the right. air. So that, that's what I was talking about earlier. I just okay. wanted, that's from Forbes. Man, that was on your mind. Well, yeah. I, listen. That was, that was itching at you. Well, hey, listen. We want to be fair and balanced here on Eat, Drink, Smoke <laughs> and provide all the accurate information that we can. So I just wanted to revisit Where are you before. on the Ratzilla? I'm very happy with it. It pairs well with the, the coffee. And I eight dollar $9 Big House Bourbon. My goodness. Uh, God bless Kroger. By the way, if you are uh, listening, Kroger, you'd make a great sponsor of the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast. And they do have, for a grocery store, an excellent bourbon selection. They do. They actually do. Um, don't get me wrong. This, this is a strong, strong smoke. Uh, it's, it's, a medium, it's a medium full and maybe even a touch more to the full. I just think it smokes great. I just, I just have always been happy with it. I continue to be happy with the Ratzilla, uh, from, uh, Liga Pravada. And the bourbon was the big house, straight bourbon whiskey. The six year, uh, is it uh, very impressive. Yeah. And, and you have an impressive smoking lounge here. You didn't even have to crack the garage door. I know. And, and it's comfortable in here. From our garage. That, that is, I, f- I, I honestly, why don't I just put up a big screen? Right? <laughs> I have one, one of those. Do you re- No, you do not. Oh, absolutely. You have a screen for the front of your garage? Absolutely. I used to listen. Who are you? Well, b- before the kids came, <laughs> I had a party garage, big screen TV in the corner with a kegerator, and I would watch my Sunday football in the fall, and all it is is a little Velcro strip that goes around your garage, and you just stick that screen right up there, and there's a zipper in the middle, so if you got a, a you know... A- 
15-foot garage door, and there's a zipper up the middle. You can get in and out. It keeps the bugs out. It's fantastic. Your neighbors never looked at you and said, oh, you're that guy. My neighbors came over for beer and watched football. Are you kidding me? I, I, I'm not doing that. I can't do that. I might do that. You should do Subscribe that. to the podcast, Fanimation.com. Fantastic sponsor. Love them. Fanimation.com. Don't forget to subscribe. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke.